Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to DSC's Campfires with Larry Wysoon. The unique blend of hunting, conservation, and the outdoor lifestyle. Delivered in an entertaining, informative fashion that only a veteran outdoorsman can do. DSC Campfires is brought to you by... DSC, Conservation, Education, and Hunter Advocacy. Hornady, Accurate, Deadly, Dependable. Trigicon, Brilliant Aiming Solutions. Ruger, Rugged, Reliable Firearms. Burnham Brothers Game Calls, Callingest Calls Made. Double Nickel Taxidermy, Where Hunting Memories Are Preserved. Taurus, maker of the Raging Hunter and other fine handguns. Now here's your host, Larry Wysoon. Welcome to another episode of DSC's Campfires with Larry Wysoon. As I've said in the past, it just happens to be me, by golly. And I appreciate y'all being with us this morning. And David Fox, thank you for that introduction. Uh, David is, is getting ready to go have a little bit of a back surgery thing here for too very long, so... I wish you'd keep him in your thoughts and in your prayers and then uh, get him past that. David, I got to be friends over over the years. He's, a, among other things, a musician, a DJ, and, and uh, just one heck of a musician, I might add. And uh, he's had some back problems, and hopefully this little surgery that he's going to go through here is going to get him back to, uh, he'll probably be dancing uh, for too very long instead of playing at different places. So, and I, with the lovely wife, the beautiful wife that he has, I certainly understand him wanting to dance with her as opposed to standing up on the stage and, and, uh, strumming a guitar or playing a piano. Cause he's, he's one of the best there is when it comes to that piano playing kind of thing. So David, wish you the best. And uh, as I said, for those of you out there, hope you all keep him in your thoughts and your prayers as he goes through this this back operation. And we want to get him back here again as soon as possible to produce this this particular podcast for me. So all the best with you, David. Beyond that, this morning, uh, we're approaching fall. 
it's it's cooling off a little bit the mornings are cooler campfires are starting to get stirred up again uh, across the the west to the south the east the north and just about in, in any and every direction and one of the reasons i decided to rename this podcast to uh, campfires is because as i've mentioned in the past i, I i'm very fortunate i'm very blessed I've gotten to spend a lot of time around campfires throughout the world. I've been fortunate to where I've hunted all six continents and sat around campfires with some of the finest people in the world. To me, the the finest people in the world. Those people who love the outdoors, appreciate wildlife conservation, and understand that hunting and fishing are a big part of why we still have animals these days of, of any, any, any numbers. Uh, were it not for the fact of the hunter and fisherman, there wouldn't be very many fish. There wouldn't be many animals outside of maybe a few, uh, little non-game species that somehow or another learned how to get by on, uh, on basically no habitat because hunting plays an important role in wildlife conservation and hunters pay for conservation. You've heard me say that in the past and you probably will hear me say that again numerous times in the future simply because those are the facts. Now this particular podcast is brought to you by some some really outstanding people and of course, DSC is 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 one of those, and and uh, in terms of companies and, and organizations, I, I deal with only those companies and corporations whose products I strongly believe in, and those I use personally, and I'm not using them because of uh, the fact that there's a, a sponsor or anything like that. I use them because these they happen to be my personal choice based upon many years of experience of dealing with, with ammo, dealing with guns, with dealing with optics, with dealing with boots, with dealing with calls. You can just kind of get with scent and no scent products, all those kind of things. Uh, if it, if it weren't the, the, the best there, as far as I'm concerned, based on my experience, you can bet that they wouldn't be listed as a sponsor here. And I want to remind everybody that too, that uh, DSC is such a great organization. It's a worldwide conservation organization that beyond anything else is simply the best there is at, at what they do. We're about to have our 40th annual convention this year in January, and I hope you'll join us there. Uh, like so many other things, you can learn about DSC and to become a member, which I strongly encourage that you do, particularly in these days facing us now. And you can do so by going to www.bigame.org. And that website will also take you to the DSC Foundation, and which I very proudly sit on the board of. And, and for the last several years, I'll tell you, too, that I've served as an ambassador for DSC, not only here in North America, but worldwide and in a lot of things that I do. And to me, there's just no fine organization out there. And again, that's based on experience, not just somebody saying or somebody paying me money to do something. But uh, today... I thought we'd kind of do a little bit of a, of a Q&A thing. Over the last several months, I have suggested that if you have 
any questions or comments that you please get in touch with me on my Instagram at which is at Larry Weisson Outdoors or Facebook and and any number of other ways and and, and two I, I do a, a weekly radio show with Luke Luke Clayton called uh, Campfire Talk with with Larry Weisson that's on a lot of different stations and also carried on Luke's website which is uh, catfishradio.org so. Uh, some of these questions have come from there. Some of these questions have, have come from just personally sitting around a campfire as well, too. And, and uh, so I thought just kind of answer some questions that have been presented to me here as of recently. I'm not going to give you their email addresses. I'm not going to tell you their last names or anything like that. Uh, the, the people whose questions I will respond to here today, they'll know who they are. And, and these two, in a lot of different ways, I kind of pulled off of questions that I get from a lot of different people. And so I'm just kind of using this as an excuse, if you will, to, to answer those questions. And hopefully I'll answer them to your satisfaction. And if not, let me know. Let me Tell me about it, by golly. You can get in touch with me, as I said, at uh, at Larry Wysoon Outdoors on Instagram, or you can go to the Facebook page that's uh, Larry Wysoon Outdoors, or uh, get in touch with me through Luke Clayton at uh, catfishradio.org. And, and then, too, I've got Miss Ste- Stephanie working on a website right now that will be www.larrywysoonoutdoors.com. So there'll be a way there to get in touch with me there too. So anyway, let's get on with these questions. This first one comes to us from a, a gentleman whose name wants to be known as Bill. And he's from Atlanta, Georgia. And he says this, he says, truly enjoy and appreciate your weekly podcast. Find it entertaining and informational. I'm going to get off screen here for a little bit and say, thank you very much for those comments. Continuing on. I do have a question. I have often heard you state that when asked your favorite hunt, you always reply the same thing. The next one I'm going on. Is this how you really feel? Or is this something you really just kind of come up and say, Bill, I appreciate the question because I have got so many favorite different hunts. And, and my favorite hunt really truly is the next one I'm going on. I've been really, really blessed over the last many years as a writer, as a wildlife biologist, doing outdoor television. And now podcasting and, and a few other things that I do, all the, all the writing as well, to have hunted a lot of different places. I've, I've been very fortunate in Africa. I'll be very open. I've shot elephant, buffalo, lion, hippo, and a whole bunch of the, of the plains game species and, and loved every hunt. The, uh, the elephant and the hippo were shot on own use permits, which means that every smidgen, hide, hair, tusk, everything went to the local villagers and uh the tusks were sold at auction to help pay for uh in that area for for poaching patrols so uh, every bit of that meat was used and at the time those were my favorite animals right before i or favorite hunts right before i went to them when i got off of them i was looking forward to the next next one which is going to be my favorite uh, I've got some animals that I really enjoy hunting. Of course, white-tailed deer is, is one of them. I, I grew up hunting white-tailed deer. Fell in love with, with hunting black bear years ago, and I've, I've hunted them pretty much most every way you can, from spotting stock to baiting to sitting on water holes to calling them to years ago, hunting them with hounds with my dad, which something I, I look back on with, with great delight uh, to have spent time with my dad and a cousin, Crockett Lindecker, 
running hounds both in uh, Wisconsin, taking our coon hounds and training them to be bear dogs, and then going to Wisconsin years ago and hunting black bear up there, and then particularly too over in, in New Mexico and, and uh, hunting black bear. And that's actually where I shot my first one, was, was sitting on a water hole. Uh, we hunted with hounds in the morning and then late in the afternoon, sit on a water hole because bear have a tendency to come into water every evening if it's available to them. White-tailed deer, no doubt. Mule deer, <clears throat> I love hunting mule deer. To me, mule deer are one of those iconic species of North America, kind of like the pronghorn antelope, the white-tailed deer, and the mule deer. But uh, mule deer, are there's something special about them. I think it's the country that they live in. To me, the most impressive animal out there is a mule deer that has one of those sets of antlers that approaches that 30 inches or beyond, has really long front tines, deeply split back tines. And, and, and when he stands up on a hillside or up on mountaintop and, and surveys his kingdom and kind of turns his head to me, it's like he doesn't turn his head. It looks to me, it's one of those Chuck Norris moments where the world kind of turns underneath around him. So that's, that's one of those species that I truly and dearly love hunting as well. And, I've been fortunate. I've hunted mule deer a lot of different places, but uh, in West Texas and, and all the way up from Canada on down and into Mexico. And, and uh, my goal still is to, to, to finally take one of those mule deer that, as I mentioned, when he stands out there and he turns his head, the world revolves down around him instead of him turning his head back and forth kind of thing. So that's that's still on my bucket list I, i've shot a couple of them that there that went the 30 inches shot one years ago with less cell up in uh north central uh colorado that was 32 and a half inches outside a really nice four by four with brow points so there are 10 points in, in total like we would call them in texas and few years back shot a 30 inch plus mule deer in, in the central part of new mexico of all places that was a desert mule deer and so I've shot a couple of the wider ones. I've shot several that were in that 25 to 28 inch kind of category, but uh, I'm still looking for that 30 inch plus that just literally takes my breath away where I've got to sit there and seriously talk to myself before pulling the trigger so that I know I'm going to cleanly and quickly take that animal down with one shot. Oh my gosh, pronghorn antelope, fun to hunt. Got a hunt coming up here before too very long. Uh, probably about the time that you hear this, I'll be preparing to go on that hunt in central Colorado, uh, central New Mexico. And elk, same way, I love hunting elk. I'm gonna hunt the Mescalero Apache this year for a management bull and uh, for hunts that we both, the pronghorn and the uh, the, the uh, elk hunt rather, that we sold at the DSC Foundation Gala back in July. And, and I'm hosting those hunts. Of course, they will be filmed for uh, Triticon World of Sports at Field. So you'll be able to see those hunts, not only be able to hear about them and read about them in the future. There are just so many animals that I've hunted. Uh, the Cape Buffalo over in Africa. Uh, oh my gosh, uh, Black Death. Uh, I remember the first one I shot, shot with a single shot. TC Encore in a 416 Rigby, an old African caliber, very, very appropriate for for the animal. And I thought the single shot kind of was appropriate too, because there was a time years ago that we only had single shots and that's what the hunters hunted with. So that's kind of what I wanted to do. 
since that time I've hunted uh, Cape Buffalo several different times and I've taken some really nice ones and all of them really old Dugga boys, meaning old muddy rascals. Dugga means mud. So uh, old muddy rascals with polished horns and and all those kind of things. To me, there's always that true potential danger when you hunt them. Finally shot a leopard in uh, Namibia, something I'd always wanted to do, hunting with Yopsi Blau with uh, the Zumbo Safaris. And that was a fabulous hunt. And got to do that with one of my grandsons with uh, with Josh Gonzalez. Uh, Josh was there to, uh, who was a wildlife student at the time. Josh was there to shoot bait for me, but also to really study the uh, management programs that were being carried on throughout uh namibia and particularly in that up in that northern port uh, over around the atosha pan the atosha national park close to where i I shot my leopard kudu greater kudu oh my gosh i'll tell you i I got the kudu bug several years ago and and uh, over the years hunting several different places shot some outstanding kudu and it was more the hunt for those kudu that i remember probably than how many inches they were but uh shot one with freaky detroit uh several years ago right off the edge in south africa coming out of Botswana. that was an old 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 bull that was 59 and a half inches on one side and like 57 on the other just a phenomenal kudu and and uh you know, that kind of created the bug of wanting to shoot a 60-incher that was kind of the holy grail of, of, of kudu-dum, if you will, and finally was able to accomplish that, hunting with Omawabe Safaris with Cornet Kruger and shot one that was an even 60 inches when I, when I shot him. He probably shrank a little bit as he dried, but he's a 60-inch kudu in my book, and that was kind of the the one that I've been looking for and hopefully one of these days I'll get a chance to go back to hunt kudu again in Africa because same thing with with Cape Buffalo those those two species to me they truly are favorite animals and it's the hunt for them that makes them so important not the 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 taking is important but not nearly as the importance of of being able to hunt and being in africa and and tracking a big old cape buffalo bull you know particularly if he's an old dugger boy by himself or maybe with another one and that anticipation of of being on a track in the in the jess or the brush of of knowing that 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 animal is out there somewhere and every smidgen of black that you see you anticipate it and expect it to be a, a cape buffalo and he may be there laying in wait for you to, to charge you so what a great great hunt uh th- that's one that's always going to be fun hunted australia and finally for years wanted to go and finally got an opportunity to go there and and uh, jerry brasher invited me to come down and hunt with him actually i was down there to do a, a talk at the version of their australian shot show and i was able to shoot some really nice bulls down there of the Australian uh, Asiatic buffalo. Those were fun hunts. Hunting in Europe, absolutely, I dearly love. I appreciate the traditions involved with Europe, particularly such as in hunting red stag and roe deer. And roe deer, too, happens to be one of my favorite animals. They're kind of like hunting white-tailed deer, and I've hunted them from host sitzes, and I've hunted them from spot and stalk, and <clears throat> all those kind of things, which just to me are so much fun. Hunted them in, in several countries. The last time I was in, uh, last ones I shot were from Spain, which are a little bit different hair coat color than the ones I've shot in England and, and Sweden. And love Sweden. Uh, hunted the, with the 
Scandinavian pro hunters there with uh, Sophia and Stephanie Bankston. Uh, fabulous operation. Uh, hunted uh, red stag and hunted uh, several other species with them there as well, too, including uh, reindeer up in Norway. And that was a fabulous hunt. Several of those hunts I was accompanied by uh, my good friend and owner innovator of the FTW Ranch where they do the sportsman all-weather, all-terrain marksmanship training. And Tim and I have hunted together several places in Africa and in Europe. And and mentioning Europe again, too, hunted uh, Austria and, and there was able to finally take a, a um, alpine ibex, something I'd wanted to do for a long, long time. Ever since many, many years ago, my wife and I had spent time in, in Europe as a getaway and uh, we spent time up in the mountains of, of, of Switzerland and Austria and, and got a chance to, to see them. And, of course, hunting red stag, oh, my gosh. I've hunted red stag so many different places in New Zealand. I've hunted them in, in uh, Austria, which was a fabulous hunt years ago in the Redersville Reserve. And finally took one in, in Scotland. And, again, that hunt was set up for us by uh, Scandinavian pro hunters. So been pretty much hunted Asia. Uh, good gosh, that was a hunt that was memorable in different ways, uh, particularly because the difficulties encountered did not do any good there in terms of taking an animal. And one of these days I'll devote an entire podcast to that one. I'll try to gather up Tim Fallon and uh, maybe Ken Darcy and, and see if we can't recall some of the adventures that we had there that led to us... Uh, uh, coming home empty-handed, among other things. But, uh, you know, you ask about my favorite hunt, and and again, it is truly the next one I'm going on, the, the, the very next one I'm going on. As soon as I finish one hunt, it's the next one I'm going on that's my favorite. That's truly the way I look forward to them because the people I'm with, the habitat that I'm hunting, the animals I'm, I'm pitting myself against, all the circumstances involved with that hunt, that makes every hunt very special and every one of them a very favorite one. So, yes, to answer your question, it's not just something I say. It's something that I really strongly believe in and mean as well. My next favorite hunt is the next one I'm going on. Next question comes to us from a gentleman named Ted from, from Abilene, Texas. says, over the years, I've seen you hunt a lot with handguns. What got you into hunting with the shark guns, and do you these days continue to hunt with handguns? Ted, you're right, and, and I, if, I, you and I actually met years ago when I lived in Abilene, and uh, as, there's a wildlife biologist, and back then I had just really seriously started getting into handguns. I always hunted with a handgun. My handgun hunting goes back to, good gosh, the middle 60s and even before then. I'm, I had the opportunity to spend time around law enforcement people who carried handguns, and back then that meant essentially carrying a revolver. Oh, gosh, uh, even before then, though, just watching all the cowboy shows and movies, and, you know, good gosh, they always carried handguns and, and six-shooters, if you will, and so to me that was something that I really aspired to, and then I found out that, hey, you could actually even hunt with them. <clears throat> Early on, I hunted with a... Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, with a Harrington Richardson 22 long rifle nine shot uh, that uh, I shot rabbits and I shot squirrels and I shot snakes on occasion and turtles and that kind of thing when I was, I was fishing and they were getting in my way and, and uh, 
it using open sights it taught me how to shoot a handgun from there i went to a, <clears throat> for a while hunting with a 45 acp not really a, a, a hunting handgun but uh one that i could you know hunt with and again shot armadillos that were causing problems and more more used it than anything else on on jackrabbits and and those kind of things and from there graduated to uh some of the revolvers and the 357 and old uh and this instance it was first instance it was a it was a Ruger Black Hawk, and I shot a little bit with it. And then over a period of time, started shooting with the TCD Contender. Initially, with some of the cartridges developed by J.D. Jones, one of my longtime favorite was the 309 JDJ, which essentially was a 308 when you got right down to it. Available because of the pressure, you couldn't use some of the modern rifle cartridges like we do now in the old Contender because there was just too much pressure. Well, I started hunting with those quite a bit and shot quite a few animals with it and uh, went to work for a while for Thompson Center as their PR guy and uh, when we were developing the Encore handgun and my, my first animal taken and the first animal taken with the TC Encore was a moose I shot in Maine using a 308 and went from there directly to uh, Colorado where I'd drawn a uh, moose permit for a Shires moose and, and shot a Shires moose with that 308 just a, just a few weeks later and, and then same time also used it on a, on a huge elk that I shot in eastern Colorado or east southeastern Colorado kind of thing and you know mule deer and several other animals and, and uh, went on to uh, got to go on an Alaska brown bear hunt years ago with the Burnham brothers and uh, I'm sorry uh uh, got the wrong name there, but uh, to me it was uh, one of those things to where uh, I had a I, I started doing a lot of writing and and had access to the contenders and the encores and uh, Freedom Arms sent me a 454 Casul and and uh, took it up to uh, to uh, Alaska and hunted with a dear friend of mine Jerry Baker and. Back then, Jay Novacek was playing for the Cowboys. Jay was a friend, and Jay came with us as well, too. And I ended up shooting a really nice big old bear that, again, there's a total story in that. And one of the hardest hunts I've, I've ever done in terms of physical parts of, of crawling up and down, sliding down mountains and getting caught in landslides or rock slides. And, oh, gosh, I mean, that was truly an adventure in itself. And, again, I'll, I'll do one of those where I strictly talk about some of those bear hunts in, in the future. But, uh, you know, hunted white-tailed deer, mule deer, shot a lot of pronghorn, antelope, black bear, all those kind of things over the years with a variety of handguns in various calibers. Primarily over the years, I hunted with uh, TC Encore, a TC Contender to start with, talking about big game. Then switched to revolvers for a while, or in addition to those single shots, shot revolvers, shot some of the first handguns made, or the first handgun made by Savage for a while that they called the Striker, and, and uh, which is now since gone, and shot some XP-100s, which were bolt-action uh, Remington firearms. Uh, got involved with, with Ruger for a long time and shot a lot of the game with the Ruger... Super Blackhawk Hunter and the 44 Mag, which has long been my favorite. Uh, you know, going back a little bit, shot all the, basically all the, the moose that I could where where it was legal outside of uh, of uh, 
Canada shot caribou with again most of these were with uh, either uh, a revolver or particularly with the the TC contender encores got into as I mentioned started doing a lot of things with with Ruger and was really done a lot of handgun hunting with a Ruger handgun and about that time they came out with the uh, Ruger American and then also the uh, guide guns and and uh, some of those other bolt action rifles that Ruger came out with and being involved with Ruger, they said, hey, we need for you to shoot these rifles. We can come back and shoot a handgun sometime at a later date. Well, so I kind of got away from handgun hunting there for a little bit, although I continued doing it when we weren't on camera for TV stuff or when we weren't doing articles or, or those kind of things. Now I'm back into handgunning. I, I left Ruger uh, as one of their ambassadors about a year ago, something that I <laughs> Thought about a long, long time before done because I, I really loved working with Rigger and loved their guns and and uh, but I'd become an ambassador for DSC and I really felt like it was important that with the number of handguns out there, the number of rifles out there, I really needed to be able to, if I needed to, to spend a little time shooting some of these other guns. So reluctantly, I got in touch with Rigger and said. You know, I loved every moment I've been with Ruger, and I'll continue shooting Rugers whenever possible. But uh, you know, maybe I need to to leave the ambassador program, and 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 did. Well, in in the last few weeks and months, I've I've started going back to shooting some of my handguns, both the initially the Rugers and both the Red Hawk, which is a double action, and the Black Hawks, which is a single action. But on the FTW, I got an opportunity to spend time with the, the guys from Taurus with their Raging Hunter pistol and shot it a few times and absolutely loved it. It's a double action. It has an integral uh, Picatinny rail. It has a, uh, uh, it's ported so that the recoil is, is not very substantial at all, even on on the bigger calibers. and. I got the opportunity to mount a uh, Trijicon uh, SRO uh, old site, which is a red dot site on one of them, and loaded them up with uh, loaded up with Hornady ammo and shot it. And I'm going from a bench, and I go, oh "My God!" It, it, at 100 yards, I was putting all six shots in the case of a 44 mag within less than two inch very easily. And when I really started bearing down on it. I was able to put several shots in almost the same hole and in the same hole, literally. And that was with a two and a half inch or two and a half MOA, which means at that red dot at a hundred yards covers two and a half inches. Well, I was shooting a tighter group than what I could see on that site at a hundred yards. So uh, I've, I've kind of gotten to where I'm starting to shoot the, the Taurus and in the Ragent Hunter, and I've got a 44 mag and a 454 Casul, a, a, a 460S and W. All of them have are mounted with a with a Trijicon SOR site and the SRO site, and uh, also using Hornady ammo that's appropriate for the game that I'm going to be hunting in uh, primarily XTP ammo, which I dearly love. My, that 44 mag and almost every 44 mag I've ever shot just dearly loves 240 grain Hornady XTP ammo across the counter sales uh, ammo. <coughs> Excuse me, been talking a lot this morning. Been doing a radio show this morning earlier with uh, <clears throat> with my old buddy Luke Clayton and 
<clears throat> now continuing the talk. So uh, to answer your question in a long roundabout way, <laughs> absolutely, yes, sir. I am still hunting and shooting handguns. I love revolvers. I uh, still have some of my single shot TCs, but spending a whole lot more time now primarily shooting that Taurus Ragent Hunter because I love how it shoots. It is a double action. Normally I love single actions better, but I'll have to tell you this, this particular Taurus double action Ragent Hunter is, is, is become my favorite. And, uh, and I've had several in the past, but I'll tell you what, moving forward, I got a feeling between the, that 460 S&W mag, the 454 so 44 mag, and I do have a 357 mag, but I'm going to kind of let Luke Clayton shoot it this fall, and, and uh, I've got Luke into hunting with a handgun, and so I'm going to let him shoot that 357, and he and I'll talk about it in the future a little bit on some of our radio shows and the joint podcast we do elsewhere for like the uh, the the hunting wire. But yes, love handgun hunting going to go back and do a whole lot more of it, Ted. I, I appreciate the question. I appreciate your patience with me going through a long-winded explanation of yes, still liking it. Uh, going to do one more here, and then we may come back the following week and do some of these others as well, too, as we hit in the hunting season. But this one is uh, is from a guy named, who goes by the name of Joseph. Joseph is from Pennsylvania. I think I've run into Joseph in the past years ago when I was up there in Harrisburg doing that Harrisburg show because some of the comments that he made in the the uh, uh, the other part of this email uh, kind of alluded to the fact that he and I had, had spent a little time together up there. So Joseph, I really appreciate the question. And the question is, it's, it's, it says, you are often referred to as Mr. Whitetail. Where did that come from? Is this a title you bestowed upon yourself? Joseph, thank you. Uh, to answer your question very quickly, no. It is not a title I bestowed upon myself. I am not that kind of person or would ever do that kind of thing. The Mr. Whitetail thing goes back to the 1980s, uh, middle 1980s. Uh, back then, as now, I have a dear friend named Jay Wayne Fears. Unfortunately, Jay Wayne and I don't get to see each other as often as we used to. Years ago, we hunted together all the time. And Wayne, like me, is a, is a wildlife biologist and has, has done a tremendous amount of work in terms of wildlife, but he's also long been one of the, the best, if not the best, outdoor writer I've ever read and somebody I still consider a very, very dear friend. Wayne had come down and hunted with me in Texas, and he knew my background as a wildlife biologist, and he knew I'd done a lot of research dealing with white-tailed deer, particularly in terms of antler and management. He knew I'd shot a lot of white-tailed deer as part of the research that we'd done, and because of that, had an opportunity to use a lot of different firearms, a lot of different calibers, a lot of different rounds, a lot of different bullets, all those kind of things, and... and uh, Actually, Wayne was very instrumental in, in me going on board with uh, Shooting Times Magazine years ago as one of their hunting editors. But uh, Wayne and I had done this hunt, and uh, he called me one day, and he said, he said Larry, said, he said, I know the answer. He said, but uh, he said, I'm, I've got I've to do a piece for Harris Publications, which unfortunately now no longer exists, for one of their annuals about hunting white-tailed deer. And he said, I've got a question for you. And he said, uh, he said, no, I'm not going to tell you the, the, what all I want to do about this, but he said, I want to know your answer to this. He said, what's your favorite rifle right now? He said, now, what caliber do you use and 
what is your favorite right now? He said, and I know that changes from time to time, but he said, what are you hunting with these days? And he says, I know the answer, but I got to ask you anyway. So I responded and I said, well, Wayne, I said, you do know. I said, like you, I've been shooting a 280 Remington for the last few years. And it's a, it's a caliber that I, and round that I really, really like. Uh, it's it, it properly loaded. It's like a, a, a less uh, recoiling seven millimeter mag. And, you know, I love those seven by 57 Mauser. And to me, it's just an ideal cartridge. I love the 270, but this one allows me to shoot a little bit heavier bullet weights than, than the 270 shoots. And, you know, I, he said, I've used it on a bunch of white-tailed deer. And he goes, he said, I knew that. He said, I knew that. He said, send me a photo with one of your last uh, deer that you took with that 280 and 280 Remington. And, and uh, he says, I'll get this written up. Well, about three months later, I get a copy of a magazine, and on the cover is uh, the statement that says, Larry Weissoon, Mr. Whitetail's favorite hunting cartridge, our favorite whitetail cartridge. And <laughs> I kind of giggled and laughed at that, and uh, so I, I called Fears, and I said, Wayne, I said, what the heck is this Mr. Whitetail thing? And he goes, uh, he said, well, he said, you know what? He said, your wildlife biologist, you pretty much devoted your life to this point uh, to whitetail deer in terms of managing it, the herds, managing, uh, you know, talking about hunting whitetail deer. And he said, you've done a tremendous amount in terms of making people aware of, of whitetail deer and their, their needs. And he said, I just felt like it was an appropriate title to call you Mr. Whitetail. He said, you promote whitetail deer at every turn. And he says, you've, you've set up management programs all over North America and specifically in Texas for white-tailed deer. And he says, you've done a lot of new re nutrition research. You've done disease research. You've done antler development research. You've done, you know, you've been involved in the development of management techniques and for white-tailed deer and their habitat and other species that live there. And he says, I just thought it was an appropriate title. I just kind of laughed it off at the time. I said, well, you know, thank you. I, I guess I appreciate it. Well, Almost immediately, a lot of people started picking up on that. And within, oh my gosh, two or three months, anything that I did or said or whatever that I didn't write myself, I was referred to as, as Mr. Whitetail. And over the years, that title has stuck. And it, it's a title that I don't take lightly. Uh, I was very fortunate when it comes to whitetail deer. I came along at a time, hunted when there were very few whitetail deer where I hunted and worked as a biologist and helped develop a lot of the techniques that we use now for producing quality white-tailed deer, if you will, and and uh, for everything from herd management to habitat management to uh, to people management, which is still comes down to being more people management, I think, than it is the habitat or, or the deer. Uh, got involved for a while with an old writer, dear friend of mine named John Wooders. We did the first aging and, and judging video on white-tailed deer, and that was picked up by a lot of people and and uh, all those kind of things. So, you know, really, not that I earned the title by any means, because there's some people out there, particularly guys like John Wooders, who truly deserve the Mr. Whitetail title. They were the ones who really made people aware that, a uh, mature deer existed and how you hunted them and how you told the difference and all those kind of things. So 
Mr. Wooders really was, who was a mentor and a friend as well as Mr. Fears, I think he probably deserved the title. Well, I know he deserved the title more than Mr. Whitetail more than I did, but it's a title, as I mentioned, that I don't take, I, I don't take easily. Uh, I, I'm, I'm very honored to be called that at times, but, uh, you know, there were a lot of people involved in, in bringing Whitetail Deer to where we are today, and I'm excluding the the, uh, the pinned operations kind of thing. I'm talking about what I consider wild, true Whitetail Deer, not scientifically produced Whitetail Deer like we do these days in, in some instances, but uh, managed in, in real wild habitat. Yeah, I've, I've, I've managed some ranches that were high fenced over the years, but they were great testing grounds as far as I'm concerned. And, and, uh, uh, they're, they're high fences and then they're high fences. A lot of the places that I've dealt with where people did wreck the high fence and I never recommended any high fence be put up quite frankly, other than maybe along an area where there was a, a problem area of, of people shooting way above what that property they were hunting on produced and somebody would put up a high fence on one side if they rancher ended up putting up a landowner put up a high fence all the way around that was his decision it was certainly nothing something that uh that i recommended or or even encouraged but uh i've been on several of these high fence places as well too that are almost as big as certain estates so you know to me they're high fences they're pins and they're high fences i guess is what i should say but the, the mr whitetail thing yeah and uh, I, I really ap ap appreciate the, the title, but, uh, like I said, there's some other people out there like John Wooders and even Jay Wayne Fears himself who deserve that title a whole lot more than what I do. But Wayne, thank you. I mean, looking back, thank you for having done that. It, it's helped me in a lot of different ways. So no, I didn't bestow that title upon myself. I carry that title with, with great respect for the white-tailed deer and all those who love white-tailed deer. And, and, uh, but I also appreciate it, quite frankly, and, and, and all that I've been able to do in the last many years to promote white-tailed deer and habitat and all the things that comes with producing a, a quality mature white-tailed buck. So I appreciate the question. And, uh, you know, we've, we've talked a whole lot this morning, and I think I've, I'm just going to wait, maybe do one more of these a little bit later, or maybe even in the next uh, episode, we'll try to cover some more grounds. We had a lot of questions that have been sent in, and I would ask that you please continue to send in your questions, regardless of how you do it, uh, whether it's uh, at Larry Weissen Outdoors on Instagram or on Facebook, or if you do it through catfishradio.org or or any other number of ways. And like I said, soon we'll have uh, com as well, too. One thing I want to remind everybody about is hunting seasons are here. It's, it's, uh, it's a great time of the year. But we have hunting seasons because we have hunters who pay for conservation, who pay for everything having to do with, with wildlife. And that includes all the non-game species out there. And I want to remind you that anything that we do to preserve, and that's not a good term, to conserve, which is the wise use of, the conserve wildlife, conserve white-tailed deer habitat, elk, mule deer, turkey, whatever the game species is, whether it flies or walks or, or swims. Uh, because of those dollars, we, we have all the non-game species that we do, and, and more importantly, and, 
a healthy habitat, which is reflected in large antlers, large horns, large bodies, and a volume of butterfly, butterflies, bugs, snakes, squirrels, all those those other things. And we have to. We, we have to do all we can to keep hunting alive. Uh, if hunting goes away, you can kiss wildlife goodbye as well, too. So... One of the ways of doing that, of course, is always to become a member of the Dallas Fire Club, known as DSC. And to do so, please, please become a member and go to biggame.org. And that is spelled www.biggame.org. I appreciate it. Look forward to seeing everybody at the uh, DSC convention this year in January in Dallas. It'll be our 40th anniversary convention, and what a party it's going to be. So look forward to seeing everybody right back here around the campfire at DSC's campfire with Larry Wysoon again next week. Thank you for joining us this week. Thanks for joining us around the campfire. To leave a comment or suggestion for an upcoming episode, go to Instagram at Larry Wysoon Outdoors. Please join me right here next week for another DSC's Campfires. DSC Campfires with Larry Wysoon has also been brought to you by the Texas Wildlife Association. Working for tomorrow's wildlife today. TRHP Outdoors. Kenetrek Boots for the trails less traveled. Voight, the finest in hunting gear. Pyramid Air for all things air gun. And Ripcord, rescue travel protection.